see three churches about to start in five, four, three, uh, three, two, one, zero. Morning, Christ Community Church. We are so glad you came back this week. Uh, welcome, uh, new people, too, that are here. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to play a new song for you, and we encourage you guys to worship with us this morning. Got the devil on my throat. I got blood on my hands. The ones that I love are in danger. I'm a fallen man. But I found me a river. And he washes me clean. I know that I'm drowning, but trying. And I'll never leave. I know that I'm found. I can't keep from hiding. I don't have a choice, but I get stuck inside it. And I am a man in need of a constant revival. So Jesus, come quickly, I need you for my survival. Got a lock on my soul. But I'll never let you in Got the hounds of hell chasing My time's running thin But I found me a rhythm And it breaks down my gates and Sometimes it's hard just to listen But I'm making my case I know that I'm keep from hiding I don't have a choice keep subsiding and I am a man in need of a constant revival so Jesus come quickly I need you for my survival Like the flowers need sunlight, oceans need high tide, men need a long life to know that they ain't right. Like clients need their price, matter of your time, need you if I want to survive. Know that I'm found, but can't keep from hiding. I don't have a choice, but I get stuck inside it. So Jesus, come quickly, I need you for my survival. Today's call to worship comes from Psalms 141 through Psalms 150. I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. 
I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who drags my hands for war, my fingers for battle. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting it is to praise Him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise to the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Praise within the assembly of His faithful people. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Thank you, Kathy Johnson, for putting that wonderful video together for us. We're going to play a song you guys should know. It's called The Goodness of God. We encourage you guys to sing along. It should go into Larry's message. Is that right, Larry? Okay, great. If not, I'm sure that he'll find a way to make it work. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I will sing of the goodness of God. It's all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God It's your goodness is running after It's running after me It's your goodness is running after It's running after me with my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I'll give you everything. Cause your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Cause your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Cause your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I'll give you everything. 
Cause your goodness is running out It's running out to me And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so Good morning, and Good thank morning. you so much for that music. Thank I you think guys. the band gets better every week. Every week, I think. I just, wouldn't say every week. You, but, I, I but, think so. They, I, I think we disagree great. on this. You're doing great. So, good morning, and thanks for joining us. Like I said, you're doing okay. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna. Op- I'm gonna open up this morning with a little, a quick little story. Okay. It's actually a little bit on the hard side. This story, um, maybe even sad, but years and years ago, way, way back. Um, when Larry's grandfather was still living, he was ill and, well, not really ill, but he was old and living at home by himself. His grandmother had gone to live in the nursing facility and it was super hot and it was in July and we decided- Fourth we were, of July weekend. Fourth of July weekend. We decided we were going to go up there and visit him. Uh, he was by himself and everything. So we did. We drove up there. He lived outside of Dyersburg. Drove up into, the, into his driveway and Larry hopped out. My daughter was little then in, in the back of the car, so I was getting her out. And Larry hopped up and ran into the house and uh, came back out immediately and goes, don't come in, don't come in. Of course, I didn't know what that meant. So I got my daughter out of the car, put her on the porch and said, you stay right here and went inside. And what was inside was that Larry's grandfather had gotten confused in the summer. He was in his early 90s. Yeah. yeah. And he had got, it was, bla- it was hot outside, but he had gotten cold. Um, and so he turned on all the heaters. He had these little gas chill chasers heaters, and he turned them all on, three or four in the house, whatever. As high and as they would go. It was, it was. I guarantee you, it was 150 degrees, maybe more. Yeah, it was very hot. And he had sat down in the chair and was dehydrated. And and we went in and looked, we thought looked he, sort of like a skeleton. We thought he had died in mm-hmm. the chair. It was so hot in that room. And so we opened up all the windows, opened up all the doors. Larry went in there and undid the little chill chasers and and they had these knobs on them that you would have to you could take off the knob Mm -hmm. and uh, that's the way it was made so we got the house cool we got him not cool but we cooled it down got ice on him water on him got water in him ice chips he came back he came too so we were going to take him to the nursing facility. We'll take him to the doctor, but he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go. And so we decided we would take him to the nursing facility to visit his wife, and then somebody there you could, could look at him yeah. Yeah, and check out. <clears throat> so anyway, he came to well enough to where he was standing up, and we had gotten water in him. And he was aware that Larry had undone the little gas stove. I had called my t- dad yeah. and said, hey, this is what happened. And he said, take those knobs off those chill chasers so and bring them, again. bring them to me. And I'll go back up when it gets 
cool in the fall and, and put them back on. And yeah. So that's what he did. So um, Larry's grandfather was aware that this had happened. He's a pretty stubborn, was a pretty stubborn guy. <laughs> and he said, before we go, they called Larry Joey. They, they said, um, Joey, where's, where's those knobs? I need those knobs, I need those Joey. knobs, Joey. Yeah. And Larry said, now, Granddaddy, I talked to my father, and he said for me to take those knobs, and we're going to take them home to Memphis, and then we'll bring them back when it gets cold, and you can have your— he, So you can turn them on. And he did not like that one bit. And there was a, it was a standoff. Mm-hmm. I saw it. I was sitting there, and Larry was there, and his grandfather was there. And the grandfather kept saying, Joey, I need those knobs. Those belong to me. They're not yours. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. They're not yours. Yeah. And finally, Larry said, Granddaddy, for your own safety, and because this is what my dad has said to do, your son has said to do, I'm going to take those knobs with me. Mm. And... Granddaddy was offended. And what I didn't tell <laughs> you what I didn't tell you at the beginning of the story was that Larry had the best relationship with his grandfather of anybody I know of and is trying to mock that relationship up, not mock it up, but have it again with his own grandson. We were very close. Very close. But this was yeah. a moment and and granddaddy um, looked at, at Joey. Mm-hmm. And he knew that he was offended, mm-hmm. and he knew that Larry wasn't going to give him back those knobs. And he did just like this. I saw it with my own eyes. I've never seen anything quite like it. He went. And he closed his lips. And never spoke to me again. And never spoke yeah. to him again. Yeah. For the next two years, he never spoke to me again. Yeah. That's and a hard it was, story. It was a, it, was a, it was a hard thing to try to speak truth. Uh, we were, Larry was trying to protect him from doing this again doing, in his Doing confusion. good, but he did not receive it and got offended and never, and never. To, to his dad. When I did his funeral, he, he did And when we would go visit uh-huh. him, he would not, he would close yeah, his lips he, he and not, not look. Speak. Yeah. yeah. It, was yeah. A, it was a tough deal. So you're talking about being offended. I am. Today we're going to talk about Jesus's encounter with two people and how he dealt with them in arguably very offensive ways and how Jesus did that at times and continues to do that with us at times. And I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that deals with, as I said, two different people in very desperate situations uh, and how Jesus dealt with them in very harsh, in some ways harsh, confusing ways that could have been and would have been for many people of that day and even today very offensive. And um, anyway, see what the Lord might want to say to us. As I read this passage, uh, if you find it confusing or uncomfortable or offensive uh, that Jesus would relate to these two people this way, or if you put yourself in these two stories and Jesus would have related to you that way, if you find it uncomfortable or offensive, or confusing, good. I think that uh, Mark uh, wanted us to read these two encounters with Jesus and to feel uncomfortable. I think that everyone observing would have been uncomfortable. Uh, and so that's, I think that's intended. So let me read this to you out of Mark chapter 7. We'll start in verse 24. Uh, the the The... Writer Mark says, uh, Jesus left Galilee, which was the northern part of Israel. Uh, Just so you know, it's the only time that Jesus ever left 
his home. It's the only time he ever left Israel. I didn't know that. Uh, this one time. This, uh, yeah. So Jesus left Galilee, which is where Jesus grew up and lived most of his life in northern Israel. And he went north to the region of Tyre uh, that was up in the area of Syria today. And he didn't want anyone to know where he was staying, but he couldn't keep it a secret. People had heard about all the things that he was teaching and doing and all the miracles, and they, they, they were looking for him, and, and he couldn't keep his presence up in this region, this Gentile region. This is a, 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 a area that was, that was uh, made up of Gentiles. This was a non-Jewish area. Couldn't keep it a secret. And a woman who had heard about Jesus came and fell uh, at his feet, and the, the wording there for falling at his feet was a, an expression that would have been used to show grief despair, hopelessness. Not just was she trying to honor Jesus by bowing. She fell prostrate on the ground in despair and grief at his feet. Her little daughter, and that word little there, could mean small, young, but she could have been a grown woman because uh, the word little there, like in Dutch, means uh, uh, like cha means yeah. precious or endearing. Dear, yeah. So the, the, her, precious, her little daughter, her precious daughter, was demon-possessed. <clears throat> and the, the mom, the, the mother, she begged him, and the wording is she begged him continually. She wouldn't stop begging Jesus to heal her daughter. Since she was a Gentile, a non-Jew, Jesus said to her, I must feed the children first. And he's speaking about the Jews. He says, I must feed the, and this lady knew exactly what he meant. I must feed the children first. It isn't right to take the children's food and give it to the dogs. The lady replied, yes, Lord. Very significant to what she, how she replied, yes, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, Jesus said. Now go home. For your daughter is well. So the lady went home and found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. And Jesus left Tyre and went southeast, back down toward Israel, but to the east of Israel, to a region called the Decapolis, uh, before he returned to Israel. And a deaf man with a severe, that, that's the word used, a deaf man who could not hear with a severe speech impediment was brought to Jesus, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man and heal him. And Jesus led him away from the crowd so that they could be alone. And he put his fingers in the man's ears, and he spat on his fingers and touched the man's tongue with the spittle. And looking up to heaven, Jesus sighed, saying, Be opened. And instantly the man could hear and speak perfectly. And Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone what had happened. But the more he forbade them, the more they spread the news. And they were completely and continually amazed, declaring everything this man does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to the mute. Um, I told you this is an encounter that Jesus has with two people in very desperate situations. And um, he deals with them in very offensive ways. Uh, in that day, and really nothing's changed in, in uh, 2,000 years, 
In that day, dogs were considered very unclean animals. And for someone to call you a dog would have offended you uh, greatly. Uh, you know, if somebody said, hey, that, woman's a, that, that lady's a dog, well, that's not a compliment. No, that's an that's offensive thing. Well, back then, it would have been even more offensive. Dogs were not clean animals. Um, they carried disease. There were no shots or vaccinations or anything. So they were a real high health risk, and people were afraid of dogs to a large degree. And uh, Jesus, there's no way around it. The, uh, Jesus calls this lady a, a dog, and, and, and she heard it. He said it, and she heard it. And then Jesus spits uh, on his fingers and touches this man's tongue with the spit, with the spittle. And uh, in that day, um, to spit on somebody was the height of insult. Um, so in both of these situations, it's important for us, if we're going to understand what's going on, if we're going to understand what Jesus is trying to say, what he was trying to say to them and, and what he's trying to say to us, it's important that we understand or that we read, or we're not going to read, but maybe you can at some later point, what's going on in the first half of this chapter, chapter 7, the first 23 verses. And what's going on there uh, is that Jesus is having a very heated discussion with the Jewish leadership, with the religious leadership, the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees and the scribes. And what he's, what he, he, they're arguing over what makes a person clean or unclean. And Jesus, uh, the, Jesus tells the Pharisees, it is not what you eat or what you drink or what you wear that makes you clean or unclean. It's not uh, um, uh, uh, who you hang out with. It's not the color of your skin or the race of people that you come from. Those things don't make a person clean or unclean. What makes a person clean according to Jesus in this chapter, is the condition of your heart. Uh, our cleanness or our uncleanness, it's a heart issue. It's not a, a surface issue. Drinking a glass of wine or drinking a beer or smoking a cigarette, they might, you might say, I don't think that's good, or you might think it is good. But those are not issues that make you morally or spiritually clean or unclean. What makes you clean or unclean, according to Jesus, is the condition of your heart. It's important that you understand this, that before when Jesus goes up and calls this lady a dog, this Gentile lady a dog, he, he's speaking theologically, not racially. He, he doesn't see this lady's race. He sees her heart. It's very important that you see that. Yeah. The other thing that's important to remember as we get into this is to realize that Jesus leaves the people of God, God's covenant people, and he goes up to minister to these two Gentiles. It never records that he ministered to anybody else up there, only Gentiles. He left the people of God. He left the covenant people, the, quote, good people, and went to be with these bad people, these unclean people, and he ministered to them. He gave them his undivided attention. So having said that, that Jesus has already said, it's not your skin or your clothes or what you eat or drink or who you hang around or your lineage that makes you clean or, unclean, clean or unclean. And, it's, and he leaves his own people to go minister 
to unclean Gentile people. Having said all that, now Jesus goes up to this town and this woman with a demon-possessed daughter comes, falls at his feet, and he says, Jesus, would you please have mercy and help my daughter? And Jesus responds and says, it's not right. It's not right for me to give food that is uh, uh, set aside for children to give it to the dogs. And this lady understood. The Holy Spirit obviously opened up this lady's heart and mind. And she clearly understood that he was saying, your heart is unclean. And the lady says, yes, Lord, you're, you're right. I, I agree with you that the condition of my heart, the condition of my soul, prohibits me from access to the Father's table. I have no right to expect anything from the Father's table because my heart and soul are defiled. They're unclean. You're right. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just show this lady the reality of the condition of her heart. He also shows this lady that there is grace. In the presence of Jesus Christ, there is grace. And this lady says, yes, Lord, you're right. I have no, no right to, uh, uh, to have access to the Father's table because I am unclean. But Jesus, I want to use your own story to remind you that puppies sitting under the table, they get food too. They might get it less and they might get it later, but the food from the family's plates that falls to the ground, and they benefit from it as well. Grace is available, Lord, even to dogs under the table. And I think what that point, there's a lot of points, but the point that I think the Lord's trying to, to make here is, is that this lady understood what Jesus said many, many times throughout the Gospels and wants under, us to understand. And that is that people that feel like they're fine, people that mm. feel like they're deserving, God's lucky to have me. I'm good. You know, I, I don't need anything. I can see. Jesus says if you think you can see, you're blind. But the day you realize you're blind, that's when you see. People that think, my life's great. I got everything I need. I've earned and made the life that I've got. Jesus says you're dead. But the person that says, I know my life is in shambles. I know my life's full of death. <laughs> Jesus says that person can have life. Jesus said, I came for the sick, not the healthy. I came for sinners, not the righteous. People that recognize their need they experience God's abundance. It's the paradoxical nature of the gospel. Exactly. That's exactly right. That makes it beautiful, but also not always simple. That's a, yes. Thank you. For logic. Yeah. People who feel deserving miss it. People that feel unworthy, they experience yeah. the grace of God. The other story uh, that I, that, that's mentioned here is that Jesus meets this man that cannot hear and cannot speak. And for all practical purposes, he spits in this man's face. He spits on his fingers and puts... Now, you know, 
Uh, I don't know about you, but if somebody called me a dog, I think my first response would be, well, your mama's a dog. Well, there you, know? you go. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't take that well. <laughs> and if somebody said that I'm going to spit in your mouth, I'd say, no, you're not going to do that. Me. Uh, and it would have been very uncomfortable, very confusing, very offensive to most people to have for somebody to spit into their mouth. And yet, Jesus uses this offensive, confusing, uncomfortable action to change this man's life for good. Um, he touches this man's tongue with his spit. And he is instantly able to hear and to see. And I think, uh, I think well, again, he didn't go and touch that demon-possessed girl. He didn't go and spit on her. He did, Jesus related to this man very differently than he related to that. He didn't even go to see the little girl. He just told the lady, go home, she's well. And I think what this story at least says to me is that Jesus relates to people, to you, to me, to you, in incredibly unique and individual and personal ways. Jesus does not have a one-size-fits-all method of relating to hurting people. That's a good point. He relates to us as our needs uh, demand, as our personalities uh, invite. Uh, he, he, he deals with us very personally and individually and uniquely. Um, Jesus used offensive words and offensive actions to lead people to experience grace and life. Um, they had a choice. They could accept it or they could reject it. But by accepting Jesus's difficult, uncomfortable, of potentially offensive words and deeds, because they humbled themselves and accepted what Jesus said and did, they experienced acceptance and provision and blessing and not rejection. I think uh, uh, the, the point of these stories is, is that everyone is welcome at the Father's table. If we recognize what these two people recognized, especially the lady, she recognized that she had a true heart problem of sin that made her defiled and unclean and broken. But she also recognized that in the presence of Jesus Christ, in the presence of His Father, there is grace available. If, it is, if it's believed and accepted, there's grace available. So that reminds me of a story that when uh, years ago, Larry and I, our family was living, we were living in Belgium as missionaries. And we lived next door to this couple who ran yeah. a bar, Cafe David. Yeah, yeah, they were great people. Yeah. And it had a terrace outside, and it was a hopping, folksy, noisy, <sighs> yes. busy bar. Yes. And we became friends with them. And Very the good friends. Yes. yes. And the man's name was Michael, but... In, in Dutch, it was pronounced Michel. Mm -hmm. And he did not know what we were doing there. He was all interested in what we were doing. Very we had a curious uh, Bible study that turned into a small church in our house, and he, he wanted to know about that. And anyway, we became really good friends with him. 
he started to come a time or two to the Bible study. He was Number interested in these people yeah. that were coming and what the message was, and he liked I was, it. He, liked, he loved me, and he wanted to know what I was doing and teaching. Yeah. And, and, he, and he enjoyed the conversation and listening. One day Larry was teaching on forgiveness, mm-hmm. which is a difficult topic for everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, so after, after it was over, Michelle stayed back, and he said, so you're telling me he found a fence Mm-hmm. In the gospel uh, message of, of forgiveness. He just told me, he said, are you suggesting that Jesus would want me to show forgiveness? I'll let you finish the no, that's story. That's good, that's good. But he said, are you suggesting that Jesus would want me to forgive everyone that has wronged me? And I said, yes, I think that's what Jesus is teaching in this passage. So go ahead. So it turns out <laughs> his father... Because this was Europe, right? His father had been abducted and killed by the Nazis. Just taken straight from He was from a milkman, delivering milk. All he was, and they it just showed up, him and it gone him. one day, and, and, and <laughs> never, saw him again. never saw him again. He was yeah. killed. And he the hated the, the Nazis. And so he said, so you're telling me that Jesus is saying, mm-hmm. this is a man who lost his father, mm-hmm. that Jesus is saying that I should forgive that, the Nazis, that I should forgive that act. Mm-hmm. That is a hard truth, and I'm not making any But I didn't know what to do. Tell him what I thought. For saying that that would be simple. But that is the gospel truth. Mm -hmm. And he (laughs) put out his hand. He He said, that is a truth I I will never embrace. He said, then I don't want what you are teaching. And he never came. Now, we stayed stayed very, very close friends, but he never came back to the Bible school. No, he was not interested in hearing about. Those words that I taught from the gospels offended him greatly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are times when telling people the truth, even if it is very offensive and very unpopular, is really the most loving thing that we could do. Uh, you don't want to go to a doctor uh, if you've got a bunch of medical problems, real medical problems. You don't want to go to a doctor who recognizes all these real problems going on in your life and for him to just say, oh, you're doing great. You're great. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Go, go and continue to keep doing what you're doing. Don't I have problems? Uh, yeah, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, no. you, you want a doctor who cares enough about you to tell you the truth. You, you don't want a doctor that tells you what you want to hear. You, you want a doctor that will tell you what is true. And what you need to do. And I just want to declare today to all of us that Jesus always tells us the truth. Always. It's who he is. It's what he does. Jesus cannot do otherwise. There's no one in the universe more kind, more compassionate, more empathetic, more gracious than Jesus Christ. But Jesus will not dishonor us or harm us by telling us that which is not true. Even if it's hard, even if it's offensive, Jesus always tells us the truth. Um, Jesus told people that you're dead. No, I'm not. I'm alive. Jesus told people you're lost. But I'm not lost. I know exactly where I am. Jesus told people you were, at at, at this moment in your life, you're excluded from the family of God. No, I'm not. I'm the most popular person in town. Jesus told people you're lonely. I'm not lonely. I've got more friends than anybody. 
Jesus told people, you're full of fear. You're afraid. I am not. I'm the most brave person around. Jesus told people they were poor. They had had failures in their life, that they were blind, that they were deceived, that they were guilty. And I just want you to know that when Jesus spoke those very hard, difficult, uncomfortable, offensive truths, he was doing it out of love because it was true. And it didn't matter how much people disagreed or denied or got angry or pretended otherwise or threatened to leave him. He still spoke the truth to them. In Psalms 26, I'm sorry, Proverbs 26, the, the, the proverb Solomon says, there's more hope for a fool than for a person who is wise in his own eyes. Today we... Um, You know, we live in a world where people want to hear what they believe to be true. People decide what they feel like is true, and they won't listen to anything else. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul says that in the last days, people will not listen to truth, but only to what they want to be true. In Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah says, all who ignore God's words and instructions live their lives in darkness. Our leaders and our culture, they tell us what we want to hear because they want to manipulate us. They want to use us. But Jesus doesn't use people. Jesus speaks the truth to us. Um, And I just just want to... Challenges. Uh, Jesus at times loves us so much that he will speak words to us that are offensive. Jesus will do things or not do things that will ultimately offend us. He did it throughout the Bible. He offended his mom and dad in the temple uh, when he didn't follow them home uh, but went to the temple. He offended the people of his hometown. He offended Peter and the Pharisees and Sadducees and the rich young ruler and Martha uh, when he didn't rebuke Mary. Uh, he offended Judas. Uh, he offended uh, the greatest man ever born of woman, the Bible says, John the Baptist. When Jesus' life and, and actions didn't reflect the role of the Messiah that John the Baptist thought his life should reflect. And so Jesus says to John, Blessed are people who do not desert me because they have become offended. And so my question for us today as I end, um, what has Jesus done in your life? What has Jesus said to you that has offended you, that's turned you off, that that has made you withdraw from Him? Maybe it's His words, His message about money, or about holiness, or about forgiving and loving your enemies or about sex and morality, or lifestyle choices. Maybe it's Jesus' words about how we should relate to the poor, or people of different classes or color. Maybe it's uh, Jesus' teachings on priorities, on suffering, or on what salvation really means. Jesus can offend us in all of these areas. And I just was... And I think the verb choice there is important too. We can be offended. We, we can choose to be we offended. We ch- can choose to be offended. 
Or we can choose like that lady with the demon-possessed daughter and that man that could not hear or speak. We can choose to recognize from from whose mouth are these confusing, difficult words coming from? Who is this that's speaking that which I don't like? Right, that's right. And I'm either going to believe my ears, my mind, my heart, my values... My culture. My culture, or I'm going to believe that which is being spoken by the one who loved me enough to die on the cross for my sins. Um, I just would appeal to us today to remember what the disciples, the disciples recognized, they had all kinds of problems. They made all kinds of mistakes. They were knuckleheads just like us. But what they did know is this. There was a day in John 6 where Jesus taught, the Bible says, some very hard things. And most of the people in the crowd that day, they said, that's too hard. I can't hear that. I'm, I'm offended. And they left. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, um, are you going to leave too? And uh, the disciples said, Lord, where would we go for you possess the words of life? And that's really the bottom line. Am I going to believe the words of my culture, of the news, of those that I admire and would like to emulate uh, because of their wealth or their beauty or their popularity or success? Or am I going to believe the words, even when they're confusing and difficult, of the one who loved me enough to die and rise again? Who am I going to believe? Um, Jesus is going to say things and Jesus is going to do things that offend us. Uh, What we choose to do in response to that uh, is big. It's huge. And uh, it will ultimately drive and determine our lives. We want to celebrate the Lord's Supper with you. So if you have some juice or wine or crackers or bread, why don't you take them? I love that very last verse in Mark 7 where the people said, everything Jesus does is wonderful. He even heals those that cannot speak and hear. And I love thinking about that. Um, We eat this bread, which represents the body of Jesus, and we drink this juice, which represents his blood, as a way of declaring that we believe that Jesus is wonderful and does wonderful things, he even does more than we expect or think possible. And so let's eat and drink. May the Lord bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today. go back to the beginning can't control what tomorrow will bring but I know here in the middle 
is the place where you promised to be. So I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? As I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every fear. Like the sun shape in the shadow In my weakness your glory appears So not enough Unless you come Will you meet me here again? Cause all you all you are, will you meet me here again? Not enough, unless you come, will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you
Thanks again for joining us this week. We are Christ Community Church. We'll be back next week, Facebook Live and YouTube Live at 1015. Uh, anything else, guys? I'm missing anything? Thanks. Y'all have a great week. Come back and see us.